Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it's Christmas on Plan and Slan. On this episode tonight, we're going to go through what we've been playing, what we've been buying, and what we've been hobbying or building, you know, if you're using Legos. We're going to introduce a new fun segment uh, for everyone out there that's interested in books and other uh, geek media. I say geek, I, I feel like that's inappropriate. Awesome, cutting-edge sci-fi and fantasy media Yeah, um, called the BOD Library, so the Basement of Death, um, our core gaming group and gaming location, has a uh, pretty substantial, substantive, oh my god, I was to record this, substantial (laughs) um, library, so... And then we're going to wrap up in our main segment. We're going to share what is on our Christmas list, at least from a gaming perspective, this holiday season. But when you're playing and slaying, it's important to stay hydrated. So we're going to kick off the show with what we are currently imbibing. Troy, what's uh, what's in your glass? What we always have, the house cocktail. People should know what it is by now. Yeah, there will be a quiz after the yep. show. <laughs> Josh, what do you got? Uh, on our way to Gen Con, we picked up some, some beer at Three Floyds. Uh, I picked up a sixer of Space Station Middle Finger, and I think I have a few left. So I am drinking Space Station Middle Finger, which is an American pale ale by Three Floyds Brewing Company out of Munster, Indiana. So Space Station Middle Finger? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is the name of the Space Station Middle Finger? Is the, oh, it is actually a space station it, yep, yep. It, shaped like a middle finger. It looks like a middle finger. That well, is highly inappropriate. It is. I, I don't know if it's inappropriate. It's just we got to get a, a picture of that label to make sure that we can share that. Yep, yep. Well, can we share that? That's yeah, against I, uh, decency standards yeah, for the I show. I don't know. It's on the shelf somewhere. Oh, People okay. are buying it. Yeah, it's definitely a middle finger. I don't, no, only if you think about it. Otherwise, it's just some appendage that comes out of the yeah, space it's, station. It's, it's like the top of the... Yeah. <laughs> Tyson, what are you drinking? <laughs> so I'm... I'm uh, a slight variation of the house cocktail. I added a splash of Sprite, um, you know, for that fresh citrus. It, it looked like more than a splash. What I think the bubbles. What I think would be really good is adding fresh lime juice to the house cocktail. Mm-hmm. Next time, class it up mm-hmm. a little bit. Maybe we could do uh, some of that coarse sugar around the the lip of the glass. You are you are pretty uh, pretty fancy. Yeah, I was gonna have a beer, but I realized it's a lot of summer beer. 
Josh hasn't changed over the uh, the stock here. I haven't been drinking a lot of beer lately. <laughs> we might have to help him with that. Yeah, I don't. So we'll we'll have help. a beer party. We'll bring over six yes. packs of well, porters and stouts. And bring over go. bring over some beer for Saturday. Saturday we're trying. We're doing another uh, big game day. Maybe we can get some people to drink some beer. Although the, the clear out. Yeah. Clear out the house. Yeah, maybe clear out. I'm doing the same thing. Bod fridge. I'm trying to work my way down <laughs> through all the Belgians, all the wheat beers. Need to get out of the fridge. Nice. <laughs> it's time to go. Well, and it's even the Oktoberfest. It's we're past that. Those yeah. are going to go too. Yeah. Yep. It's all stouts and uh, Guinness now. A little chewy beers. Yep. Well, I yep. found two cans of Hop Slam still hanging out in my fridge, and that's usually a February <laughs> release. I'm like, oh, oh by the time I finish these, it'll be I'll February. Be able to buy more. Hop slam. <laughs> nice. All right. So with all of this drinking, yes, we do play games. So I suppose what better time than now to dive into what we've been playing. Um, not a lot of playing since the, the last show. There's been a lot going on. Busy time of year. No excuse. We'll play more games, we promise, in uh, the rest of the yeah. month. Um, but Troy, you and I got together at our local games workshop after work one night to play our friend Eric in a three-player game of Warhammer Underworlds Shadespire. Yeah, it was and it was a lot of fun. Um again, I've been having a lot of fun with with Shadespire, but I hadn't played multiplayer and so it was an, it was a good opportunity to just like, yeah, we'll throw it on, have some fun. Um and I I had a blast. I thought yeah. and I thought the game really stands up in multiplayer. I think there's it's a little different strategy. You got to start thinking about again. You're thinking about in this one, th- two people. I mean, in a four player, I think that would really be interesting. Now I'm thinking about three other people and what are they doing? And and it's not so much. Um, I mean, not so much about how am I winning. I think as of making sure you're kind of like, what are they up to, and how do I need to screw them over, or at least get in their way, kind of blocking, blocking. You know, at yeah. least cause some difficulties, right? Sure. To, to make sure they just can't execute their plan and, and run away with it, so it was uh, it was pretty good. Um, and of course, I won, so maybe that's tainting my thing. Yeah. But by total, it was a fun because it was it, Ty had it. Yeah. I was positive Ty was going to pull out. I was going and to win it, and we accidentally, basically, Eric and I accidentally screwed him over. Is what it yeah. happened. So, <laughs> so I had an objective that I could complete as long as they stayed out of my territory. The turn before, I moved one of them out of my territory. Then when he come in and it got killed or moved by Eric, and then Troy moved Eric's guy to a place where I couldn't fight Eric's guy. Because I was going to kill him. Because I was like, I need a quick point. And I'm like, ah. So it, it left me out. I couldn't attack. I couldn't push. And I had a guy left in my territory. So I lost three glory, in mm-hmm. essence. Um, four glory, because I had another yep. one where had I completed an extra objective, I could have scored it. So instead of losing 8-7, I think it went 8-7-4. Yeah, yeah you're only eight. one behind me, so it was, yeah. <laughs> Um, I could have won that game 11-8, but they both manipulated the final action yeah. <laughs> so that I couldn't. Yeah, and it, I couldn't it was funny. Yeah, and if I would have executed my plan, I still would have lost because I would have got, I was trying to get one more point by killing Eric's last guy, but by doing that, I would have enabled Ty to get his four points, and so I would end up losing by two, even though I would have gained one. It was just, it was funny in the end because again, it was not intentional. It was just it worked out the and way I, Eric th- try and save his last guy ended up. Screwing I felt like Ty. I played a really good game. I was like, oh, I've got this. I've locked this up. I moved. I had just the right setup, and then yeah. and we played. And I, and I played Stormcast. Uh, Eric had his corn guys, and you were playing the skeletons, which I hadn't seen before. And yeah, there was interesting. So a lot of fun. I got another game, so converted another player to the cause. Um, Paul picked it up after 
<clears throat> some encouragement. He said it, the Stormcast models looked really cool too, which helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went over there before our mage game um, and just played through a kind of a learner game. He'd watched the watch it played video, and then he said, but playing it, you learn the game. So we had a, a good time. And Warhammer Underworlds is the mini skirmish game um, with cards and, and miniatures and stuff for folks that are unfamiliar yeah, definitely uh, episode nine, we, we did it some justice yeah. last episode. For sure. Pretty solid review. So we won't dwell on Warhammer Underworlds. Instead, we'll move to another Warhammer World game, Age of Sigmar. I got in a game against Brendan. Um, he's the TO that's putting together the Brew City Brawl, the first uh, AOS GT in Milwaukee in April. <clears throat> uh, plays out of the the local GW shop, and we we got a two thousand point game in one weekend, uh, and I I learned how Nagash Nagash <laughs> is uh, the greatest wizard in all of Warhammer, and I ignored him too long, and he made some great saves, and it, it ended up being a minor loss for me. Um, played a great game though; it was uh, it was fun to see an army I hadn't played against. And what were you? What were you playing? I was playing my clan pestilence. Okay, so that's the bunch of the one you played against me. The eighty, yeah, guys. yeah, very similar. Hundred, hundred plague monks and <laughs> some friends. So, so a lot of little guys, whatever. And then Brendan plays death. That's right. And he's got yeah, Doctor Death. He's got a few armies, for... but uh, <laughs> Death has been playing competitively for a very long time. Um, and he's, pl- I think, planning on bringing a death, a similar Nagash summoning list to Adepticon for the <laughs> the GT. Um, and he should he should be able to compete for close to the top mm-hmm. of the death uh, faction. We'll see how it ranks overall. But very good player. It was a mm-hmm. it was a good game, and he um, he just kept me in check the whole game. It was one of those rare occurrences in Age of Sigmar where I felt like no matter what I did, I'm like I'm going to lose this game. I'm playing for at best mm-hmm. case maybe I can hang on for a minor loss, and I did. I I hung on to not get uh, the major, but good game. A lot of fun playing with him. Uh, looking forward to many more games. I think Sunday afternoons yep. at the shop are going to be a new, uh, as we head into Adepticon, yeah. a, a good <laughs> way to sharpen the blades and see some lists that you don't always get to yep. see in your your own uh, group. Cool. Is anyone playing anything, or am I the only one playing anything? You're the only one. That, I'm. It's like I said, it's, it's a little bit of bleak. All right. I, I, we've been doing uh, family game night. At, oh at really? Home. So all right. it's What's a it's play? a lot of little kid games. So mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> we've been playing uh, um, Bedbugs game, which is like I don't know, it's a small game from uh, ELO and um, Monster Chase. Uh, another like you, you got to scare away monsters. You know, play different cards mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah, just a bunch of like cool. simple mm-hmm. games for the kids to to learn and stuff. So it's it's been fun. So yeah, we've been trying to do that every Saturday. I want to play Monster Chase. Yeah, Monster Chase is fun. It's a cool game. So you you you, you use different toys to scare away different monsters I'm, and you I'm play different cards. Pick that up. Yeah. About landing. Yeah, it's it's totally fun. So cool. Yeah. I've, I've been playing Lion Guard too, but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been playing another game. Uh, I can't talk about on the computer. <laughs> Um, but pretty strict. So you can't uh, talk about it at all. Other than that, it's on a computer. Yeah, it's, and it's a computer a card game. That's probably it's it. a card game. Yeah, it's a pretty. Can we say it's a pretty well-known card game? 
Yeah, we can say right. it's a well-known card. Yeah, game, they have right. a pretty strict NDA. Yep. I, yeah, I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for my invite. Okay. To, to but be I'm not under any NDA. But true, I haven't actually seen anything. No, and the, I mean, <clears throat> what's publicly known is the closed beta did start for. That's true. The actually, game. Uh, I mean, that's that's it's, common knowledge. They have put video out on. Yeah. It. Yes. There's been play videos. There's, I just can't talk about what is a part, of, part the of the beta or anything about it, other than. The company that's producing it and i think the name but i don't even want to risk it mm-hmm. can i say it yeah because yeah. i did watch a video on youtube in public domain okay and this is the new magic the gathering online uh game that the wizards are released or they announced i don't know they launched a month or so ago they announced it a month or two ago, ago. and so fall. and yeah now it's starting to to kind of creep out into yeah. alpha and they're kind of right or alpha whatever they're calling it, open beta but pretty early on do that and i am not involved so i'm not but they have publicly released it and some people on the podcast may be involved in some of that so um but it looks really cool again i know this is just for me watching the videos of what they released and everything else um it's even got me excited to at some point me when it goes out there to an easy way to play magic well what i like is it'll help us play yeah like, right it's hard for us to always get together and sit down. And if we do, it's going to be a miniature game or a heavy board game. It's it's not often we'll sit and play cards. Right. And it gives us a chance as a, a gaming group to do that in a medium that is accessible. Right. Very similar to Roll20. We can sit down and you know, yep. play They're RPGs. Play some and D&D, which, yeah. man, we need to get back on that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. We should be able to find some. It's yeah. tra- Hopefully, there's a little bit of time here. In the, as we, yeah. the run-up to the holidays is always crazy, but then you get a little bit of downtime hopefully over the holidays we can get a a good session in for sure and then the last thing is my reoccurring role-playing game night our mage campaign dark milwaukee we're quickly approaching the holidays christmas in dark milwaukee (laughs) last year woden uh visited us and provided wisdom and and gifts this year we're we're big on gifts for each other some of us have made some pretty significant sacrifices to get something to give to the other players so it's kind of a cool concept when you're party so to speak our cabal has been together for years you know Mm -hmm. it's been three or four years of game time and two years of real time um so it's it's kind of a unique experience to think of what would that character like and what would that player think Mm -hmm. is cool so um within the rules of the game so i mean the expenditure of actual you know currency and experience mm-hmm. points and different things to build something epic to then give to somebody is kind yeah. of a cool experience cool. all right i'm gonna catch my breath and let you guys talk a little bit about uh some hobby progress cool so um i talked a little bit about we're trying to get a couple more again as the run-up to adepticon get a little more practice play in so we're gonna do a big aos kind of 40k game day at the bod this coming up this weekend and um, I wanted to kind of tweak my Sylvaneth a little bit. So, um, I wanted to get, so I built Dreitja, um, which is, uh, I don't know what tree she, lady, tree she's, lady. Yeah. To get a, a tree possessed lady. tree. So you have like, she's got a, still a humanoid head and, uh, upper torso, but the rest of her is basically in a, in a tree mech, if you want to call it that way or whatever. So pr- pretty cool model. I did a really assembly and then took the airbrush out and, uh, got her at least uh, some base on her um i don't know if she's gonna get any further before uh, saturday but at least she has paint on her if she shows up on the table um 
that's really been about it a little bit. I did a little bit of more painting on some of the, on the, um, the storm Raven that I've been getting and got that in a good shape. It, I really like that conversion on the storm Raven. I know I talked a little bit about it, but I, it, I made it look more like with, because it has a, the chapter house extension on it. It ends up looking more like the fire Raptor. Mm. Um, the way I kind of converted it. Was that one still in John's basement? It is still in John's basement. Yeah. I need to like, <laughs> can we just go steal <laughs> yeah. it? I'm trying to wait for him to owe me enough stuff that he just pays gives it with to, the yeah, fire pay me. Yeah, like, you know, you could just pay me with the fire raptor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying he was looking for a present for me for Christmas. And well, maybe I go. could just say, you know. Hey, John, hint, hint. Like a fire raptor would be a even, good present. I don't even think John listens to the show. Um, no, probably not. Yeah. But does, he, like do, does he download? He might. He uh, might as long as he downloads, yeah. it's fine. That's, that's all we. We'll just get his kid downloading. Ask. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. I can get Ashton to listen. That'd be yeah. good to, we go. do, you know, I was looking, somebody did download it in Australia. We have an Australian fan? I don't know. They just downloaded it. That's all we know. Oh, okay. like, they downloaded it. So. Well, hey, if you're the one in Australia that downloaded the show, thank you. <laughs> uh, let us know what the scene's like in Australia. And, and, and do the toilets really spin backwards? No, that's a myth. That's Is that a myth? myth? Yeah, all right, not all right. true. There are kangaroos there, though. Sweet. Uh, I've been working on a, a Star Drake. For my uh, now, was yours purchased in China, or is this a real live <laughs> hobby set? Because Doctor Gabe recently uh, found some Chinese resin that he's been filing. You know, so I does he wear? Is he wearing a mask? Because you don't know what's in that Chinese resin. That's the problem, right? right. I don't think so, but he's a medical doctor, so yeah. he wore a mask. Yeah, he knows what's going on. But mine was mostly put together uh, from eBay, and it was like deep discount, so. I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll purchase it, but uh, yeah, it, it's legit. It was a real GW. Okay, model. so it's not Chinese resin. No, Forge right. World China. It was like, yeah, some dude in Michigan or something. So, oh, I wonder if it was one of the guys from. Uh, mm. It might. I. I. I it might not uh, have been Michigan. I can't remember. Oh, uh, that'd Maybe be exciting. Minnesota, but it is plastic, right? It is plastic. Yeah. It's okay. it's a GW model. Yeah. So and that's the big dragon. That's the Stormcast right. dragon. Yeah, because I have this. I've I've been working on a Stormcast army i think we've talked about that um and i think that might be my team army f- mm. to play with paul at adepticon so are oh, you guys gonna be like dual star drakes right yeah yeah That's tom tom and i are hoping for a matchup i might shoot alex a tweet and be like hey we want a grudge <laughs> match against some guys from my local <laughs> gaming group <laughs> so yeah that's cool. that's been my hobby Excellent. Well, all right. And then Ty, you have to. You have one big thing on here. You have to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And what's, although what's I don't two, know if it counts. Two big things. Does it count under purchase or hobby? Both. Ooh, that's a good question. I, <laughs> I bought the hobby. So uh, I think I talked about it last episode. I had shipped out. Um, I outsourced some of my painting to uh, Dan at Blood Art Studios, um, Mortarion, the uh, the Primarch of the Death Guard. Um, he completed it. It's in somewhere in transit, um, and looks awesome. He put up seven or eight pictures yeah. on his, uh, Facebook. Um, yeah, and we'll link, off. we'll link to the Facebook yeah. page. It has yeah, it looks the, amazing. The gallery up and up there. It's pretty cool. It, yeah. no, I shouldn't say pretty cool. It's really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Dan, Dan did a great job. Uh, highly recommend. We'll link to his Facebook page. That's how you reach him. He does, um, Everything from Infinity Models to GW Age Sigmar stuff to a wide range in in his gallery. Everything from tabletop standard to really centerpiece quality. So um, 
does a great job. I'd recommend working with him again. Already thinking about what project do I want to do? I want to set up. <clears throat> so, and then on my own, uh, I've been painting a Morngul, uh, the Night Haunt Forge World model. So I made kind of a decorative base using some uh, blocks from that Josh had cast with the Herstart molds. Uh, I made a pile of skulls. I used like a fifth of the box of Games Workshop <laughs> skulls to make this mound of, of skulls for him to be. Uh, his claw is like diving into. So I had to hack away the horse yeah. body that he's actually like holding mm-hmm. on to and made it into a mountain of skulls for him to, to perch on and then doing him in a ghostly blue mm-hmm. effect. So it looks really good. Yeah, the the really picture, cool. I haven't seen it in person, but the pictures are pretty awesome. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, it's kind of funny you say a fi- it's only a fifth of that box. Like that box of skulls is ridiculous. 340 <laughs> skulls and 20 jaw bones, and I think I've used about a 70 of yeah. them. You put a little dent in it. Yeah. Like a- <laughs> yeah. You got another half a dozen projects to do with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll probably use them all throughout my, my death basing because I think they just add a little bit of color, even the bone, because mm-hmm. I'm doing like a black grayish stone base with a real light blue and white uh, spirit look. So I think the bone helps offset. It's a little warmer color to, to yep. put on the base. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's my hobby. I got to do a lot more because we set out for Adepticon in ugh, three months. When is it? A hundred and something Not days? enough time. Yeah. Not enough yeah, time. Not enough it's going to get... I have to paint 1.2 models per day to have both armies ready for Adepticon. You can do it. So, yeah, I'm doing two armies. I'm bringing Clan Pestilence to the team tournament because it just matches up with the Iron Jaws better than Night Haunts would. And I'm going to try to have a 2,000-point Night Haunt army for the, the GT. So Cool. So 105 days. We're going to close up quick and be under 100 um, and that's what, so a little bit, we were going to say in the next, so in the next 105 days, we'll actually keep in part of our hobby. I think we're going to add a little thing called road to Adepticon, or if we come up with a better name, we'll call it, we'll figure out that yeah. it's the path to Adepticon, the long, dark trek, bloody <laughs> in fight the, to in Adepticon. The grim, dark future of March. There is Adepticon. <laughs> Listen as three hobbyists try to get ready. Sleepless nights. Lots of, this is when things stop being whatever and start being real <laughs> real world adepticon <laughs> three hobbyists we'll picked start. to live together <laughs> hobby we'll, together we'll start streaming we, there will probably be a little a uh, few more uh hobby hangouts going that's what yeah. happens it seems like we get into the winter months and uh, the lead up to adepticon and there's a few more hobby hangouts to help motivate people mm-hmm. um to go through so ty you ty talked about your two armies who are getting through i need to get um I'm playing in the, I talked about, I think already, the 40K Gentleman's Tournament. So I need to get at least 100, uh, 100 power level. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do Necrons or my Ultramarines. How about Death Card so you can bring a real Primark? No, Ooh. I'm not. in. Oh, snap. And, and Rob is not coming uh, in my Ultras. I'm not. Because it is called the Gentleman's Tournament. Ro- so. Robot, Robot Silly Man. man. You guys are so mean. I don't pick on your, I don't pick on your hobby. Do you I? can't pick on Mortarian. Yes, you can. No. You can call him Morty. If I would just around call him Morty, it's like a disrespect <laughs> to the model, like to call him Morty. Hey, look, Morty's here. 
<laughs> All right, Troy. I promise <laughs> to respect your hobby leading up to Adepticon, but I will crush you on the battlefield that, every time our totally, primaries meet. That's totally fine. All that's right. totally fine. <laughs> I do have to put him together at some point, but because I have all this other stuff to do for Depticon, I don't know if he's getting put together in, in the near future. Um, so I do need to figure out now. It's just more of making. I have Necrons nine, you know, whatever that I could throw together. I have my Ultramarines. It's more about just finalizing some kind of list and then probably doing a unit or two or a, maybe a character or two and just kind of unifying the army and and doing some of that. But in the end, you're like that ends up being usually a chunk of time to do that. And so I have to figure that out sooner rather than later. Um, cause the main focus will be space Hulk. So, um, the good news is we're not, we're doing the scenario we did last year. So we don't have to run a, bring a scenario up from scratch. Um, cause that takes a lot more time than we ever think it does, but I really have want to add, I have a bunch of hybrids. I still want to paint, want to kind of refresh some of the gene stealer models. Um, maybe even put together some more of the death watch squads that we're going to bring in for that. Plus do some, a lot of the new Necromunda terrain has just been, Oh, this, we've got to put this into the space Hulk table. Right. So I have a bunch of that. I did uh, get some of the new Necromunda train and some of this, um, shadow of Warmageddon terrain stuff. We're going to incorporate some of that in there too. So I'd also like to touch up the, the, um black templar the black templars too so yeah if, if you yeah. want to dig those out i can yeah I'm, i can outsource those can, if not because that's on my list otherwise i was going to go through and just okay. rough them right. up i was gonna give them a little more mm-hmm. battle battle thing yeah because we did the white them, was too white and yeah because yeah. we did yeah. them they were they were fine but it was just again it was under the gun like get right. them good enough and then we'll come back Be, and because i need more hobby is there rules for um trader legions um, I do not have any Trader Legions in there yet. Because three Death Shroud would be pretty oh. awesome <laughs> traipsing through. You know, I have to think about that. So, um, And we may try and figure out um, a second. Again, I say that we're going to run the same scenario. But John and I have talked about, do we run maybe the same board, but just tweak the... Because so, right now, the, this, um, the scenario we're running now is really a Gene Stealer cult, which is kind of... I think it's cool. It's really fun. Like, it totally plays in. Like, hey, this is Gene Stealer's cult. And you have hybrids over and the Death Watch and other Marine squads are coming in there. So I think the story plays pretty cool. Um, but I also have all these other miniatures for when we use the Tyranid Warriors and stuff like that. So we're thinking about maybe having another scenario that we could use to not change the board up because that's what takes all the time and set up and things. But have the same board and just kind of change the scenario a little bit about what models we use. Um, and maybe do, we're still trying to figure out, do we do... Uh, Thursday night, we may have an opportunity to do maybe our what we call friends and family, where we set up Thursday night and have some time to run some uh, kind of our our own game on the board, uh, since we don't get time to play it very often by ourselves. So we'll, we'll see how that goes to do that. I mean, that's where we could run Death yeah. Guard or some other alternate you already, squads. You already have a Dark Angel squad, right? Um, yes, do we have Deathwing? Yep. So you have two Deathwing squads, right? Um, actually, uh, I think I have one. We have one, one Terminator. Yeah. Okay. Because them and Death Guard, you've got two of the Chaos Legions right there. <laughs> <laughs> and we probably have some corn Terminators that are sitting on the shelf. Three. So, yeah. yeah. There we go. Bring some Grey Knights and you got four. There we go. And I do have Grey Knights. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> so so I have lots of work to go. So this will be good. Um, keep us kind of uh, check in in the next see where we end up in the beginning of January. And I'll be saying, oh, I'm thinking about all this stuff, but having it. Oh, and the other thing is this month's uh, white dwarf if you have not seen it official rules official right? rules for hybrids um 
they added hybrid, which is funny. Like the space space Hulk rules for Gene Steeler yeah, for Gene Steeler are now official White Dwarf. Yeah, and we may. I'm looking at him. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like they basically ended up like mathematically. The rules are ex- very similar to what we put together last year and ran. Um, I'm, so we, what we'll probably do is tweak it. Um, and this is something where I can get. Like, I want to do a, like a little maybe a play test and see what you guys think. Because right now what we did is we added the saving throw. Basically, if you're shooting, we let Marines basically get a saving throw. Um, what they did in the official White Dwarf rules is what they did is they made these things ineffective weapons is what they call it. So right now the mechanic is usually the hybrids roll. They hit on like a six. Terminators basically have a two plus save. So basically you need in order for to kill a Terminator, you basically need a six and a one. What they what the, they did in the official rules is they made these ineffective weapons. So basically, they it's two dice. You need a six plus on both dice. So you need a twelve, which is effectively the same mathematical percentage that we ended up with in terms of what we think the chance is to get there. But and you guys can tell me what and I don't is that what I like is I like the idea of making a save where the the it's in the play like there's interaction there's something going on rather than me roll two dice oh at 12 you died right to me that's a little bit of a feel bad whereas if i roll a one i have a six now it's your you're rolling an opposing die to right. make your save even if you roll the one i feel like it's not you feel bad but at least i had some control in the enemy head. makes an attack and you in your response are doing something to respond yeah right. i feel like that so i may keep at first i was like oh i, I like what they did in white dwarf and then i thought about it and i'm like i don't know if i like like I don't know if I like that I roll two dice you die right and that just doesn't again math mac the math works the same but it's just the the experience is a little different so we may we we may tweak some of the weapon the other things that they have in there but I think I may keep the mechanic of kind of the opposing die roll even in shooting yeah just to kind of give a yeah again because in the end this whole thing is about having a good experience right right uh, that's what we want to do so supposedly supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People seem to think they like it. <laughs> Some reason people come keep coming back year after year. I don't quite Sold understand out in why. Six minutes at yeah. <laughs> registration. Yeah, fantastic. And Josh, team tournament. You mentioned you think you might do Stormcast, or you're like committed. I'm doing Stormcast for the team tournament. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do Stormcast because the the OCD in me says Paul and I should play a similar army. Or at least no. Paul and I should play the order. same order. Yeah, play what complements uh, your your teammate. If your teammate has something stalwart and steady, it's best to do something super aggro. I I actually think, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about this more in depth with, in depth with you, to pair with the Star Drake kind of. You're not going to move me. I'm super durable. Would be a lot of high volume attacks to go on the offensive with. So base claw. Mm-mm. What do I? I don't have any. What about? Oh, that's a lot. Of pa- that's a lot of painting. Yeah. All right. That's how you All right. Games. Okay. That's what I cool. think. Yeah. But what but, about just crazy? I don't. We can not make this an AOS tactics podcast. But what about just even in Stormcast? Right. Options for just tons of you, jump. You know, fast moving troops rather yeah. than the big. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. do like a vanguard. Uh, a bunch of hunters and right. maybe a palador stuff yeah. like that to gain some mobility and more weight of dice. But okay. I mean, dual Star Drake, 
could be fun. Yeah. But there will be a lot of um, team lists at the tournament built to remove big stuff quickly. Right. Well, and that's why I thought having two of them would be cool, but I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Wait, we'll, All right. That's the road right. to Adepticon. We'll road roll, uh, to Adepticon. We'll bah, check bah, bah. and see if we're still on the road next month. Or... Oh, and uh, I guess uh, in addition to the road to Adepticon, so I I know Troy has and Troy and Ty have a whole bunch of zombies painted for mm. um, Black uh, Zombies Hide Black Plague, but yeah, I also want to get my zombies done. <laughs> so that's also on the back burner. That's uh, true. You know what? I need to add that to my list too because I do. I have on my list that what I want to do is actually I have like templates to write up the scenario and like mm-hmm. official thing. And I'll publish that up on the BOD. I've had that on my to-do list for like six months because mm-hmm. um, I think that'll be cool. And then, yeah, I do want to, I, I think it'd be, I, again, it's on, is we can like, we, I have the wolves. I think it'd be fun to just add some more stuff and see what yeah. have then. I have a second, I think we have two apocs and maybe we could, yeah, some, well, I think just have some options and then you can see what the, See what the group is, right? If it's a more experienced group of people, like, add hey, do you guys yeah. want to, like, well, we can add some more fun stuff and right. make this a little harder. If it is more of a newbie kind of thing, then keep it a little more vanilla right? to have some fun. So, but, yeah. And, and I do have the uh, the, the cheat sheet for, for new people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that we'll have to print those off as well. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, but I should add that, yeah, add that too, because I was going to make sure we do some more bling for, for the zombie side too. Totally. Cool. Excellent. So after all this hobbying, we don't have a lot of uh, time or money left. Um, <laughs> but uh, any purchases recently? I, I myself have only bought a few Night Hunt stuff or Clan Pestilence, but um, looks like somebody is doing some more significant purchasing. Um, Black Friday. Oh, yeah. okay. Unfortunately. So, and although last week I did grab the 40K chapter proof book. Um, pretty cool. To Is it worth that. buying? I've been hearing mixed reviews. It, it's worth it's worth buying. The people who have mixed reviews are cheap. I guess I don't know. It, okay, it, it, it's worth your thirty five. In, in terms of it, if people who are just like, oh, I just want the points. Yes, it's not worth it. But they put enough value in that in that book in terms of the you know more scenario. Just like um, General Sandbook, right? Okay, you so some a bunch more scenarios. Content for narrative you know all the way from narrative play to whatever so i can see where people who are very narrowly focused on i'm competitive play all i care about is my what are the new point values for my army whatever they may think well i'm not really getting a lot out of the book if anybody else who's playing more than just maybe tournament competitive play there's narrative play in there they got apocalypse rules they have i'm trying to think what other they have some uh custom land raider build rules like that there's enough content okay. in there it's a solid book i mean you're getting your value for i think it's 30 35 bucks or something like that so um yeah it is what it is i could see where that comes from but I, I, I don't yeah know i mean that, it's the internet it's a yeah, they're always gonna be so yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool so i gra- grabbed that quick that's cool um black friday did battle foam always has their sale um and i looked i'm experimenting with their magna rack which for mostly for my Sylvaneth, which again, those guys are branches and everything else to try and put them in. I do have some foam solution for them right now, but it's a little bit ever. So I'm going to try and then bang the rack is basically metal sheets magnetized. You know, it's kind of rack that sits in the, 
in the bag and then you can just mag- have your guys sitting magnetized kind of like the table war cases so it's kind of a cheaper alternative to the the so table war thing the bottom so. of the base of the miniature has a, a magnet Magnets. and it's a metal tray yep so it stands stays in place doesn't it really doesn't yeah around. so instead of them being in foam they're sure. basically just stuck on the thing yeah surrounded um, by air yep surrounded by air and should work so i'm it, it's more cool. of an experiment it was on uh, sale. We'll yeah. see how that works. Um, and like I said, it, they're really the Sylvaneth call to that. Cause I well, the, the way Games Workshop in general, you look at the new models yeah. for everything. It's spindly and craziness and weird poses. So yeah. the old 25-millimeter <clears throat> base Space Marine with his square yeah. shoulders in these slots in a foam tray isn't isn't yeah. feasible so right. trying to fit them in a rectangle square yeah. is not yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not the same yeah. anymore and so and this is this is like I, I this is kind of an experiment to see how good is the battle foam stuff because um, everybody really says you know table war has really done it if you really go this way they've done it they've got their solution they got their stuff um it but you're playing paying a little bit of a premium there, which is funny to call something a premium above battle foam, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, so I'll, I'll I should get it in the next couple of weeks, and then like we can do a little bit of experiment. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think it's going to work all right enough for we'll shake for what it I around. Need. We'll yeah, see if we for can. What I need. Cool. And again, I'm not probably flying with it, but at least to get around to different different places work there. Uh, and I think they grabbed uh, another mat from Frontline Gaming. You know, on on Black Friday, I definitely had the Frontline Gaming uh, site up. I had probably three or four mats in my cart, and I just was like, ah, uh, do I need them? Uh, I went back and forth, and I actually kind of forgot about it and, and <laughs> I guess didn't that means purchase them. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't get them. But what, which mat did you get? Um, another, I got one that's more organic. I think it was the Alien... It's like the alien one, or um, so it's still like the grassy plane. Mm-hmm. It's one I feel like I could use for both AOS and 40k. Sure. So it's like the grass mat, but it has like ruins in in kind of stone ruins, kind of laying around in there. And I like that one because I actually like. I think the table war mats are a little bit better quality. Not a huge amount, but I feel like they're a little better. What I've noticed with my frontline gaming mat, like sometimes it's a maybe just a hair thinner and i've noticed that if i leave it rolled up it'll curl on the edges just for a little bit and then it flattens out but i mean super minor um they're both pretty quick quality but i do like if if reese or anyone from frontline is listening troy is willing to continue (laughs) to use your product (laughs) just stop by the space log table at adepticon and you know show him some love yep (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and i did buy the frontline because i do like um again the graphics were yeah. Uh, I have a lot of the table war mats already. Um, so there, w- there wasn't a design there that was calling to me, um, but there was some really cool, yeah, the one. And this is one, again, I felt like I could, because I do have a lot of sci fi and interior mats, mm-hmm. not as many kind of grass and whatever one. Cool. So I just kind of filling that out to get there. So, yeah, front, front lines actually coming out, it has come out with a lot of cool mats recently. Yeah, so. and then they have the terrain that matches too, which is right. pretty cool. If, you're, if you yeah. don't, again, unlike me, who I have walls of terrain, right, that sit on the shelves and stuff. So I'd want that, but they do have matching terrain for a lot of these mats too that you can just buy as a package and it's, it's durable, easy to assemble, really cool stuff that they, they put out there. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. And then other than Black Friday shopping binges, uh, some Kickstarter <laughs> real quick updates. So late pledges open uh, for, I believe, Outbreak Undead 2nd Edition. Yep. The backer, backer it or whatever, yep. the late pledge. And uh, Kids on Bikes has moved to late pledge? Yeah, that's, that's okay. also, yeah. So both of those things, if you didn't get in on the Kickstarter, you can, they call it pre-order. 
but mm-hmm. basically all you're doing is getting in on the the pledge manager um for both those things so and kids on bikes i don't know if we talked about it on here i can't remember if we did um i mean 80s nostalgia role-playing game you're yep. honestly a group of kids trying to solve problems like you know stranger things right. or um goonies or any you know any type of that nostalgia of the 80s yeah dennis the menace type yeah and it's uh who's it is is that a gilmore (laughs) uh john gilmore Gilmore. was one of the the so so yeah solid designer so that's what got us a little excited again and i don't think it's a whole lot of money to get in on that one to get the book you know 20 30 bucks maybe little rascals (laughs) okay that was somebody somebody turn off josh's (laughs) microphone and i don't think that was the 80s i'm just not sure (laughs) no um then i saw this today too uh (laughs) thanks to the the gaming shelves um i think will sent us a little tip on uh our basement of death discord looks like a shelving solution for board games Mm -hmm. i mean customizable the way you can line them up um bunch of different sizes i haven't really looked at the price point too much but it it seemed reasonable yeah not i mean it yeah reasonable i mean it seems like you're going to get in at about a hundred bucks for and again there it's kind of a i don't know if it's wood or not but it looked like kind of a a frame and then basically wire shelves that in between that gives you a lot of variability and adjustability in terms of the the height of the shelves and the width and i think and some pretty cool things where you could have two frames and actually connect the two frames with additional shelves in between actually i'm trying to explain this right so you have two stacks of shelves that are right kind of enclosed in the frames and you can connect those two things with another set of of shelves to create a third sort sort um, of think the modularity of the wire shelves like from college with the little round um connector piece in between them i don't know if you you guys are familiar with those but um yeah the same sort of modularity where you can kind of build them out to whatever you want it to look like that's what it seemed it's it seemed very um customizable which yeah. i thought was really cool yeah and and again not super cheap it seemed like yeah you know, you're in a hundred stuff i compared to like my i would it seemed like you know my i can get into like the ikea shelves that i have and i can't remember exactly the brand of the ikea um, shelves that i use so it's similar price point but because these are so much more customizable I think you're getting a value. I mean, that's the value of them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they have a cool, it's a little, it's a different aesthetic than kind of the, the, you know, basic classic bookshelf, bookshelf, that, like right. Ikea stuff that, that I have down there, which I'm really happy to, and I'll probably add there, but this wasn't really interesting. Like if I didn't have those Ikea shelves, this would be something I'd be like, Oh, this would be really cool to, yeah. to get in on. It looks like, and if you're somebody that lives in an apartment, like mm-hmm. th- these shelves seem like they would kind of lend themselves to being yeah, and easier movable than the Ikea shelves. Yeah. So. And it seems like tons of different, uh, configurations. Like uh, there was like a coffee table, you know, like, lay it out as a coffee table, lay it out as mm-hmm. kind of a, a stack, lay it out as kind of a, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like a, a lower console kind of thing where everything's maybe three feet high. So Lots of variability looks pretty cool. I think there's still we'll get probably get this out and it'll still be out there uh, at least a day or two because I think there's a little bit more than a week or so left as we're recording this. Cool. All right. So that is everything that we do: uh, play by, hobby, build, everything. We'll take a break. We'll freshen up, get some new beers. Maybe we'll tell you about those beers, <laughs> and we'll come back and uh, talk a little bit about the reading and viewing that we've been doing here in the BOD library.
welcome back. We are refreshed and we are ready to discuss the Basement of Death Library. Ooh, media library. Media library. Yeah, we won't mm-hmm. we won't just keep it the books. Yeah, because I don't know. Josh doesn't read. <laughs> you got to <laughs> before I did. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he often will rip on our uh, disability, our protected disability. Is it colorblindness? Is it protected? It should be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good chance when uh, we can rip on his third grade reading level. Yeah, yeah I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. Um. So recently I saw a Audible deal. Uh, it was $5 for the first three months. After that, you can cancel. Uh, so I signed up, and I was like, wow, I have a credit. What do I want to listen to? <laughs> and also coincided with the timing of the Black Library. So Games Workshop, their whole universe and world, they have the Black Library that does a lot of their um, novels, novel mm-hmm. short stories, audiobooks. Uh, set in the different worlds of their games. One of those series, I don't know if we've ever talked about it at any length, is the Horus Heresy, kind of the the historical fiction of the Warhammer 40,000 world in which they ta- talk about the fractioning of the Empire, uh, where a number of legions split off under Horus, the War Master, um, betraying the Emperor and his brothers and, and leaving. So the first book in the Horus Heresy is Horus Rising. I downloaded it. It's written by Dan Abnett, and I am enthralled. I've been wanting to sit in my car when I get to work and not turn it off to go in the work until I get to a, a good break point or the end of a chapter. Um, the the narrator is phenomenal. I don't have his name handy, but he is a, uh, a British gentleman who does all these great voices and just... Feels like you're watching a movie from the yep. <clears throat> the way the sound quality works. Um, so I've I've really been enjoying that. I'm not. Uh, there's no other book I'll do other than the next Horace Heresy book because um, <laughs> I think this might be an appropriate time. I asked for recommendations from our our group of friends on what Horace Heresy books to read because I don't want to read all forty six books yeah, or whatever. Good, yep. <clears throat> but I do want to experience the the heresy and um troy Troy prepared a two-page response (laughs) to my request with titles and authors and descriptions and recommended reading uh list so similar to the machete style of watching the star wars movies i'm gonna try to follow the troy wise uh style of horse how to get through the horse heresy so um, so as you can tell, I'm pretty I'm pretty passionate about the the Horse Heresy series. That's forty some books. Um, Horse Horse Rising came out. I think they just had the tenth year anniversary like last year. Um, so that book's been around for a while, but amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it still holds up. I think I've read it twice, listened to it once, um, and go back to it because it, it just really Dan Abnett does a great job of creating this. Uh, it was a great kick off for that that series and and to get there and this is how we'll get you in josh is you don't have to read you could just listen um to this stuff and 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 so listen and it's been and i think this is going to be huge in terms of it'll be interesting to see how now that they're on audible you know will is there a whole new group of people that are going to start picking up the 40k books and listening to it and things like that people that maybe probably don't play the game um and just looking for things to read and and get sucked in on it 
Um, I just finished um, the 40, I don't know, 44th book, whatever, Runestorm by David Annandale. Uh, again, on Audible. I haven't, I didn't read it. I uh, listened to it. And again, their author, I think they do a really nice job, especially even in the later ones. I don't, even all along, um, they even have, a, there's like some music and a few interludes. It's not like an, a drama. They do have separate you can get what they call their audio dramas which have actual special effects and yeah and more but those tend to be in either less than an hour or in most case they end up being like 90 minutes to two hours at the most of uh, those of what they call their kind of you know audio productions which are full-on productions performances um sometimes have multiple authors and th- or multiple readers um on some of that stuff too but but all the yeah, these and something about a British guy reading this stuff—it's got that's what works. I don't know what. It well, is. where where I think a new fan who's not familiar with the the world—it's it's great writing. Uh, it really is excellent writing, and the story is is engrossing. There's a lot going on, political and war, and that multiple viewpoints happening. <laughs> But then for someone that is familiar with the events, we all like, and I listened recently to David Annandale was on Forge the Narrative with Paul Murphy and Chris Morgan, and they talked about understanding um, the story. Like we set out knowing this world, knowing the events and hearing it told in this manner is super exciting. And I talked about when I got here and I I was like, Horus Rising is consuming me because there's a line in it like... I was there the the day Horus, you know, slew blah, the blah, emperor, slew the emperor, uh, and it was just like what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Early in the book, right? It, it's the first line. It's it, I believe it's, it's the first, first line, line or, or two, first yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just moments like that that you get pulled into this this world that is huge and sprawling and um, very exciting. So Runestorm is is it the most recent? It's um if not it's the i think it's the most uh there may be one more after but it might be an anthology because sometimes what you'll especially later in the series the, they'll pull together a lot of the short stories into anthology books but i think runestorm is the latest although i think they have another one coming out that, uh, real soon they get there so and horus rising uh by dan abnett is narrated on audible by toby longworth toby longworth yep and Rune Storm um, by David Annadale is narrated by Jonathan Keeble. Uh, yep. Just, yep. You know, and they're both, they're bo- and they're both British guys. Both British guys. <laughs> but De- David Annadale is not. No, he's Canadian. I believe he's Canadian. Yeah. Um, um, I didn't, I thought they were all, uh, yep. all of the authors in the Black Library were British guys because that's where Games Workshop is. But, yeah. And, Again, we don't want to go off too intent, but Annandale, that, that interview was interesting. He's a, he's a horror guy, um, and I follow him on Twitter, and so it's just fun because he just... Horror. 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 <laughs> As in scary movies kind of guy. Yeah, doesn't doesn't like prostitutes. He's a, he's a horror guy. <laughs> wow. Wow. There goes getting Annandale on the show. <laughs> um but really, yeah, it's a really interesting thing and in his take on things. And he's written a lot in the kind of the Grey Knights, which, uh, again, the Grey Knights chapter in the 40K, he has a series of books there, too. There. But uh, the stuff he's done in the, uh, in the Horse Heresy has is, is been really good. I think he just has two books in there, but uh, the latest one in there. And I, I would recommend, too, like you talked about, that Forge a Narrative interview is pretty good. And what's great, Black Library authors in general are very willing mm-hmm. to do spots on, mm-hmm. on shows and you can hear oftentimes Forge the Narrative will get somebody in 
Um, yeah, Aaron Dempsey Bowden is on the second late the late yeah, characters. independent characters. Yeah. Uh, he has been a couple times, uh, but he is on the, one of the latest ones, not the latest one, but the the previous one, uh, talking about um, the Black uh, Black Legion, which is not a horse heresy book. It's a forty k book, but it really doesn't really like a thirty k book or a thirty five k book. It's it's kind of in between the horse heresy and it's the forming of the Black Legion. Yeah. Um, but Aaron Dempsey Bowden again, amazing author, um, has written a number of the kind of seminal works in the Horus Heresy books like uh, series, and and uh, I'll probably I'll try and maybe I'll try and publish out my three page overview of of what books. It was to fun. Kind of it was hit. fun to read your your recommendation, <laughs> and I had a blast. You, you yeah. tailored it a little bit towards me, and I yeah. could tell. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a, a good quick. Here's what in the in the heresy. Here, here's how to navigate because it. it does. Once you get past the first initial, because I think even Black Library, like they they had the trilogy uh, in in mind, and then once they realized that hey, this has got some legs and whatever, and now we're forty books, forty books, and a decade later, yeah, um, into there, and, and it's coming. It's coming to a close. Yep. I mean, they are three, running it three to more the, books, I think. So. Uh, I bet you it's more than three more books. Um, um, but they definitely have the plan to Terra. So basically, if anybody yeah. knows the story, Horus in the the Civil War and Uprising, and then he basically attacks Terra, which is one of the big events in the 40k universe. But um, and so right now they're not; they're kind of on their way to Terra, and that's where the the story is in the books. Um, but they had the the last kind of meeting back in uh, in headquarters where the authors all figured out where the where the plot's going to go and who's going to write the books and so forth. That was I think spring of this year. Yeah. Get there. So over the next probably still two to three years, I would guess, uh, to get us to run to the end. But they know where the end is is happening now. So yeah. Um, um, so that's a lot on my Black Library. <laughs> yeah, phenomenal writing though. Highly recommend it. Yeah. And again, it being on Audible, I think is why one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it because mm-hmm. it just makes it uh, a little bit more. Uh, available to kind of the masses um, and if you don't consumable to people like me yeah and if you don't yeah. have an audible subscription get one uh, it seems the, like a really great deal and the the price point too for audible and the credit you get is significantly lower than most of their mm-hmm. audiobooks if you purchase through so that was a big part yeah. of them getting on there was the price point is is lower um, than purchasing directly from the Black Library, yeah, so it's a good time to to get some of these older Black yeah, Library books. Their their price point was sometimes it was fifty fifty bucks for yeah, one of the audiobooks, yeah. and I I always went back and forth like, hey, man, it seems like a lot, but in the end, I mean these it's these guys are especially these guys that do it well. I think it, somebody yeah. who's just a generic narrator, I don't I don't feel like I'm getting money's worth. These guys that are really good and professional, you're getting a you're getting oh, yeah. the author's work plus you're getting the performance of the voice actor. You're, basically, you're paying four dollars right. an hour for fun. Yeah, for you go to the movies, you're you're paying roughly yeah. that to go see a film, if if not more. Yeah. So, and yeah, and then and now, but on Audible, a credit basis is around fifteen bucks. Yeah, yeah, um, and so and now that so that just makes it so much more and affordable. My, my three months are $5 yeah. credits. Yeah. So. yeah, that's awesome. And they have all the Game of Thrones books and all yeah. the, yeah. Uh, I mean, tons of series. They have tons of books. So, yeah. And Harlequin novels. Yep. It, it, I mean, it, there's, <laughs> you, you won't want for uh, uh, awesome entertainment. Yep. So. Speaking of awesome entertainment, last episode, Troy shared that he played in a game with a number of authors that we enjoy and read. And one of them that I think is worth taking a little bit of time to talk about 
is Mike Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy and I both have been consuming his uh, his Shadow Op series. Yep, you more uh, than I have. I, I only got through the initial the Shadow Point, which was the initial book in that, um, which is so the kind of the the premise of that book is magic kind of came back to the world in terms of people manifested. Certain people would just at any time would manifest the, the great reawakening, the reawakening. And they would kind of manifest different types of magic. Um, and then what happened is basically the U S military decided that these people were one, they were a dangerous society, but they also could be weaponized. Um, and so you had these people kind of pulled into the shadow ops, which is the series uh, at least the first series he called, and that that was the the arm of the military that kind of pulled in the magic users, so to speak. Um, and basically, the the initial story yeah. is the story of one guy who was in the military who then manifests the power, uh, and he goes rogue, and then kind of comes back into the shadow ops uh, arm of the forces and his uh, adventures they're, they're and program, things like that. Because it really is a program. I mean, mm. they bring them in, they train them, they keep them locked down and until they commit and say, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll help. Um, <clears throat> but really good writing. What I like about Cole's style too, is he, he has military background. Right, I was saying that's, that's that interesting. Yeah. The military procedure and the, the thoughts of the soldiers seems very authentic. Right, yeah. And, and I think large, large part of that is because unlike some authors where they research, M- mm-hmm. Mike had some experience, um, you know, serving and understanding. So that comes through, uh, for a total novice who's never spent a day in the military, but it seems very authentic and very real. Whereas sometimes you you get a little bit where it's glorifying yep. soldiery, and he's a very real approach to it, and the the thoughts and concerns of being away from yep. home and family, and uh, there's there's that element which is different in most sci-fi fantasy yep. novels. There's a human element to his writing that's uh, that's really enjoyable. Yeah, it was good. And um, Michael, you also. If- you can also see him if you ever watch the CBS series Hunted. I think it's Hunted, right? The, the Hunted. The I Hunted, um, which is the idea of normal civilians kind of basically try and go off the grid and hide from the... Basically, you're hiding from the U.S. government, but in this case, it's people who used to work, like Mike Cole, who is a military intelligence person, and there's pe- different people from who used to work in, whether it's CIA or FBI and different things, and they basically use all, all the techniques that the government and, and law enforcement has to find people. Uh, to hunt down these people as kind of a it's a reality show kind of game uh, i watched a couple episodes again as i was going to meet oh, mike cool. just to get a little bit of background just to see what he did and, and some of that so interesting um uh, interesting show again it, it's reality tv so yeah again you have he, some people on there but uh but it's pretty interesting he's he's uh pretty entertaining to follow on twitter too some of these mm-hmm. authors really have a great social media presence and he he gets very political. He gets you know, but he's also very funny and very intelligent, and it, it makes for some good reading on social media, which is rare. Yeah. Good reading on social media. Um, he recommended. I saw recently. He he said like somebody asked the question of what should I read first because he has the Siege Line Gemini Cell series. He recommends reading that before you read Shadow Ops. Yeah, because it is a prequel. Um, <clears throat> So if you're going to start six books in that series that are out, uh, and I think it wrapped up with yep. with the last, was it Gemini Cell? Or, yep. Um, he has a new book, a, a really like gritty fantasy novel, coming out in February uh, that's available for pre-order now called The Armored Saint. And that looks awesome. Awesome, yeah. He's built a fantasy world, and it seems 
in that kind of gritty, visceral fantasy uh, that like Abercrombie writes. Yeah. And I'll talk about Sam Sykes in a little bit, but that kind of new age fantasy, which isn't the soft and um, lyrical yeah. fantasy of the yeah, olden days. It's, right. It's not the the Hobbit or the, <clears throat> the Tolkien kind of fantasy. But yeah. yeah. Very much of that. Um, so, yeah, and I'm really excited for Armor Saint. I only read Shadowpoint. I know, Ty, you read, I don't, did you get through the whole series, all six, or did you get um, through? I, I read all of the Shadow Ops, and I read the first of, I think it was Siege Line. Or, okay. Yeah, because I, again, I read that, and I read uh, just an excerpt of some of the Siege Line stuff to get a feel for it. Because I, where I, and where I kind of, I told you, I said, I, I got through the first one. I liked the story where I got a little bit is I felt like I didn't, and maybe this is me, right? I, I couldn't figure out, like, I felt like the magic. There weren't any rules about the magic that was going on. Um, and then you said, well, maybe you should keep reading because he feels like he adds some more there. And then maybe that's just a case of a first book kind of going out, um, you know, not having kind of the whole universe built out to figure out. Because it, it, to me, it seemed very random. Like, again, you kind of like, well, whatever anybody needs to do to move the plot forward, that's as strong as the magic is, right? <laughs> to kind of do that. And that, that's why I felt like it was looking for this consistency. And that was my only kind of critic critique of the of the book um i really like the characters and like the story and everything else and it was just kind of like i wish i kind of understood how the magic worked or it felt like there were some constraints on it because it it felt like it was just serving the plot and not you know didn't have any real real rules to it and maybe that's because i come we come from like an rpg background right we were like a spell should only be able to do this and i should be able to do right that kind of thing <laughs> um to do that so uh, so i think i'm gonna go i probably will go and 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 probably read a little bit more and like i said i'm gonna be so excited probably jump in when armored saint comes out early next year yeah um and sam sykes i, I mentioned is another author that writes that uh, very visceral gritty fantasy um, and him and Mike will exchange in these Twitter conversations often where Sam is harassing Mike and Mike will respond and then <laughs> Sam asks ridiculous questions. So um, he uh, he wrote the a- Aeon's Gate trilogy was his first trilogy, which I read. Um, and he writes very long books. I mean, we're talking high page count, similar to like George R. R. Martin, where you're you're in it for a while. Um, and then I started on his second, I think second trilogy, which starts with the city stained red that I'm about 80% through. Um, and it follows, it really feels like an adventuring party. You have the hero, um, who came from this village, his past, you're not really sure like how, but he hears these voices when he like kills demons and stuff. And then there's a priestess who has some type of secret and a young boy wizard and the rogue, like a former kind of assassin. <laughs> and then this dragon man that travels with them. Um, so you get this adventuring party and you really follow them and the city stand red. They're in this uh, kind of Arabian silk merchant city. And there's this mm-hmm. demonic force that's threatening. So he, it's, it's just that classic fantasy tropes and mm-hmm. ideas. Um but uh, characters that are just fun to read about and uh, really gets into some... He writes violence incredibly well. It's not like over-the-top bloody. It's just the right amount of detail to explain what's happening. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend... He's on my, like, go read. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming his audiobooks are, are out there and right. available. Um for those of us that may not like turning 700 or 800 pages <laughs> like me <laughs> uh but cool. yeah sam sykes so cool yeah I, I got him on my uh kind of wish list there next up to probably pick up one of his books and see what ty's talking all about here so um 
One of the uh, books I just read and I devoured, um, which is kind of funny because you always, I'm sure these authors, they work on these books for years, and you're, but then you're excited for them to come out, and as soon as they come out, you devour them. Um, so one of the I got to was Andy Weir's new book. Um, so Andy Weir was the author of The Martian. Um, so book, uh, I think, came out in 2014. Again, I think ever, hopefully everybody's seen the movie if you haven't. Yeah, Matt it's Damon. It's amazing, Matt Damon. and Yeah, it's a super good movie. And it's one of those ones where I feel the movie is as good as the book is. That's awesome. Um, it does a really good uh, really good job. And I, I would, again, the book always has a little bit more depth, a little bit um, something like that. But the right. movie is it, very one of these things where the movie is just as good and you get the same kind of feeling that you did from the day. So his new book is Artemis, and what he tried to do there was do what he did to Mars in The Martian to the moon. So Artemis is basically a city on the moon. The The story is about uh, Jazz Bissara, who is just kind of a, um, a girl who basically grew up uh, grew up on the moon, uh, and but she's kind of like a con artist, kind of just living in the, in the cracks and things like that. Um, and the plot t- takes off from there. So... It was interesting, but it I think it wasn't the Martian. It it it, it I mean I mean and again he probably couldn't do the Martian again. Um, it's not at quite the level of that it it was entertaining. It was interesting, but it didn't feel like it was kind of as breaking as that. And I think what he did again very similar formula in like a lot of the science in terms of how would we actually have a city on the moon? How would we have people live on the moon? So he hits kind of that. Um, but it, it also feels a little, um, you know, um, like he's being a little over, a little forced, like descriptive in terms of that. And, and again, in terms of the, did you read this or did you listen to listen this? to it? Cause didn't they get a pretty prolific actress? Oh, I would say, voice? so what sell, what, yeah, what totally made it entertaining is, uh, Rosaria Dawson reads the book. And so her performance is a five star. I would say the book itself is somewhere between a three and a four, um, but I told I really enjoyed listening to it again because of her performance of the and she because she embodies the character of Jazz Basara, who's the the main antagonist in the in the book. I keep, so. I keep seeing the Audible ad on yeah. social media with her picture. Yeah, and I'm like, movie already? No, no, new no, book, new book. Narrating the, the <laughs> yeah, audio they did a good job. Yeah, you, if you're going to do that, yeah, pull in a, a, a star, you know, kind of narrator in that, and and so that, yeah, and that's how I did rate it. I think the book itself is, a, a, you know, out of five stars, a, a three five maybe something like that. Her performance is a five. It's it totally made it worth listening to, um, and it was enjoyable. It's just it, and it's hard. It's a sophomore effort, right? It's so hard. The Martian yeah. is so good. How are you going to get anything better? Do you better think to when it? the movie does get optioned, which it will and comes out, yeah. they'll they'll cast her in the lead? I they almost have to. I don't. Right? I was just um, going to say that. May, I, I think they could. The um, <laughs> maybe the she is um, it, 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 she's written as uh, an Arab an Arab teenager. Okay. I shouldn't change it. She's in her twenty. I think she's twenty six in the room. Okay. So she's written as a Saudi originally from Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, but raised on the moon almost her whole life. And so again, a lot of that in terms yeah. of she doesn't like the big punishment is to get deported from you know Artemis. But if you've lived there your whole life again in terms of gravity sickness and things like that. Okay. Um the things that so um it, it, it's again entertaining, uh, you know it's not the Martian, and so if you go in, just go in maybe with different expectations. But again, it is there is part of it that's interesting in terms of because I think I'm pretty sure the science is pretty solid in terms of what would you need to do to actually have a a living, you know, a full, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think how big it is. It's probably tens of thousands of people. 
um, that they that is Artemis, which is the city on on the moon, and we'll and get how we, Neil deGrasse we'll Tyson on it. Yeah, he'll tell us. He'll tell us yeah, he, yeah, he can let us know. Yeah. yeah. So, dear, yeah. dear Neil, is this real? And I think that not, please explain. Yeah, what's wrong here? What's wrong here? Yeah, and it has. I believe it already has been optioned as a movie. So I think I'm we sure. will see a movie yeah. in probably 2019. Probably my awesome. guess to yeah to come out. So excellent. Uh, the next one I saw release when it released. Mm-hmm. I'm just behind. I I can't make my way through the Expanse. Oh, I need to carve out weeks of time because those books mm-hmm. are mammoth too. But you've been listening to uh nemesis games nemesis games yep um and i'm still behind because there is um on there's our i'm already uh, a book or two behind i think they oh already announced goodness. the book six or seven book, book and seven yeah so uh Unreal. so that's uh james s.a Corey. it's if you see the expanse is also a tv show on sci-fi mm-hmm. um very i have not good. watched a lot it's of it super but very Good. Yeah, and what I've heard though is it does stay pretty close yeah. to the initial. I think they're only probably a book or two in. I think their second season probably aligns pretty closely with the second book or close. Yeah, I think it to the events they're going. Caliban's War. It's a little behind Caliban's War, War. still, but uh, it's a writing duo, uh, which yeah. is really unique. <laughs> they alternate chapters, they yeah. collaborate uh, and, and write. And in the first book, it was Leviathan Wakes, which was a space noir uh, novel yep. which is to this day it's in my top 10 books yep. um just from a, an experience of reading that but uh excellent writers and they seamless you can't tell that yep. two different people are writing. Yeah. and what's interesting is they what they do is they do the break on because different the chapters will have different point of view characters mm-hmm. so that's where they do the break in the authors is each, each author will take a point of view character and that's what they write kind of throughout the book or a couple different ones so so that's what i because if you read it you don't real you don't realize it until it, it kind of after effect like oh really this is two people who read the book i think you would kind of static with that character with that character so you don't notice right and what you do get then is that you do get kind of the i think you're, you're seeing that subconsciously a little bit of the change of tone from the character mm-hmm. which is coming through because there are different authors actually actually voicing it that's interesting um, to get there um, so it was, I was, um, so yeah, Leviathan wakes, Calvin's war, Abenon's gate, Cibola burn, um, is where I was a little iffy. Cause kind of the first, the first three are kind of the trilogy and they kind of have an arc. And then the, the second one, um, uh, Cibola burn is, is okay. Um, but it needed to get, kind of get the, the story moving along. And, and that one is very much. Uh, planted on a planet but nemesis games i really think brings it back to the kind of the height of, of, of what was going on in kind of the early stories too it's very very grand huge things happening but still focused on the individual characters that are on the um and it's i, I guess you can compare to people are used to like you hate to say it like like, like i don't want because it, it's very loosely like a firefly type you'd be so p- people on one small ship mm-hmm. uh, the rosinante um, is where people end up. I think by the first book, they have this this ship, and that's it's really about the crew of there. But there's more characters around them. Um, um, Bobby Draper, who's uh, um, I say Martian, cause, but she's a human. Basically, we've settled Mars in this in this universe. Um, again, what's what's interesting is reading this back to back with Artemis. Also, is where that was. I think we're a little bit where Artemis fell down because you're used to if you're in the uh, Expanse universe. 
you're kind of used to the same thing. Like, hey, we've settled the solar system. Mars has a, a planet. So a lot of the stuff there was interesting to kind of contrast them. Like, that's why it, maybe it, it didn't hit as hard as like, it's kind of the Martian. Cause you're like, well, that, the expa- it's felt a little bit redundant with the expanse, even though I'm sure that they didn't mean to. Right. And then part of it, maybe just my re- reading order, right. Of how I've been reading these books that come mm-hmm. through. So they should consult with you before they do that. No. <laughs> Troy, what did you read recently? Well, yeah. How can we do something different? different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching the expanse. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Good, good stuff. Yeah, the um, the series is is staying close to the books, and the acting is is really well done. What I like about the <clears throat> the expanse in general, you have these characters on the ship, but you have this massive um, war and political struggle. Like on the you're on the brink of war, and there's all these different political factions. So you have this very um, micro focus on the ship screw and then yep. this macro world moving around them right. and politics shifting outside of what they're even aware of on their ship yep. and and their interactions and uh, those guys just write in a way that you don't feel like you're jarring when you move from mm-hmm. a point of view to the next or from the ship to back planet side or the belters or you know yep. a number of places and they, they do that very mas- masterful work just weaving this in this world together yeah. and yeah world universe is probably yeah. good yeah <laughs> it doesn't feel very disjointed yeah. it's like all yeah yeah and so i'm excited uh nemesis games is the one i've read and the universe has been like the plot has significantly changed um kind of the factions and things there with no spoilers so i am ready to jump into babylon's ashes which is the the book that's already been out there and i think they've okay. already announced uh persephilis rising if i say that right is kind of the upcoming book. I don't think that one's out yet, but it's going to be the the next book in the series. So they're continuing to crank them out, and they uh, they are continuing to keep the quality high um, in terms of there. So yeah, highly recommended. Check out the TV series. Read the books. They're on Audible too. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, is this coming out or is this out now? Abnet's new one. Abnet's new one, The War Master. So yeah, looking ahead, just came out. Uh, just or, came out. out. So I have not read it. It's, but it's uh, not about Horus, right? It, it is it, no. This is it goes back to the Imperial Guard. To yep. is it a Gaunt Gaunt's book? Ghost? Yeah, yeah, it's a Gaunt book. So Dan Abnett, um, Gaunt's Ghost. He's had a long running series for. Uh, it's probably been fifteen years. Uh, this is one of the first. The Gaunt's Ghost was really one of the first novels to really kind of flesh out the forty k universe. What's funny is there's a lot of things that Dan Abnett introduced in the Gaunt's Ghost early books that then became kind of into the game, the canon canon I mean, yeah. in the 40 K universe um, in terms of what, like Vox channels, which is what they call their things. Um, they're, you know, it's uh, they want to call it their cigarette. I can't remember what they call their cigarettes. Like a lot of the slang kind of came out of his books to get, get there. And the Gaunt's Ghost, it's been a long run. They are an Imperial guard, which is kind of like their army uh, in 40 K. And basically when they, no real spoilers here, but basically Gaunt's Ghost, what happened is when they got recruited, and basically that's what happens in the Imperium, right? Basically the Imperial Guard says, hey, you need, uh, as your tithe, you need to give us you know, a million guys, troops, to, to feed the, the army that the 40K has. Well, basically when Gaunt's Ghost got pulled out, um, their planet was basically destroyed then by a, a chaos invasion kind of immediately after they got pulled. They basically were evacuating the planet as it was being attacked. So they are the, they call them the first and only because there is only one 
basically whatever you want to call it company um of the the gaunt the gaunt's ghost which is the talent i can get the name yeah, right tanith 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 first tanith first because yeah. there is only one because that they're planted there but and so then for 15 years you've had the the different adventures of the gaunt who is the and he is not from the planet he was basically he was a commissioned officer commissioned officer who leads them yeah. but um through his different adventures and things like that and again over the years i i think it's been interesting how abnet has gone at it for different things some of the the initial ones were very much hey 40k in the trenches uh war kind of things and then over you've had ones that you could say are really a horror novel where they've had some things going on you've had some ones that are very much character driven and very small stories in this larger thing so each of the books i'm really interested to see where the war master goes because i i think it, what it is is gaunt probably is getting maybe promoted for he's probably getting some kind of leader against there and, and they're moving on so i'm ex- excited i have not it's loaded an audible rate of rock and roll probably in the next week or two i'm gonna digest that one and it's like i said it's always one of these bittersweet things where you've been waiting for this book for there has not been a gaunt's ghost book in i don't know five or five years yeah uh, something like that so it's like you've been waiting this long do you just show it down in about a week and then you're like oh i I read it through so i'm gonna savor it a little bit and friend of the show marlin is big into Mm -hmm. these books as well so yeah i'm wondering if he's reading that or or audibling that right now too so yeah then last one's a comic book right yep yeah and i just threw this in here um yeah Yeah. so um a little related to so we all like dead of winter uh the board game uh, what's interesting is Dead of Winter, like they've kind of expanded, like that universe actually exists of that what is Dead of Winter and what's happened. And we've seen a little bit with the Raxon board game, understanding the events that maybe happened to create the, the zombie apocalypse in there. Um, and so they basically started to release, uh, there's a comic book series with, with the character, some of the characters from the original Dead of Winter book called, uh, and it's Dead of Winter number one. I think the second one has come out already. Um, so just kind of fun. Um, it's a zombie comic book again. If you're into Dead of Winter, uh, it's heard heard it's pretty good. I've just read a little bit. I don't actually have it. Haven't read the whole thing yet, but just kind of fun something to check out and related to your board light, games. Yeah, light reading between yeah. uh, 700 page novels yeah. or 40 hour <laughs> audio dramas or whatever else. Um, and then a little lighter fare. There has been some relatively big mm-hmm. announcements in the uh, streaming service space recently. So Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, whatever the case yep. may be, um, purchasing some some pretty big IPs and bringing them to market in a way that some traditional cable networks or uh, the big networks can't. Um, I mean, we saw a little bit of that with um, Neil Gaiman's series on stars, American mm-hmm. gods. gods. Yep. You know, Game of Thrones really did something where a book series became a huge, massive, um, ridiculous, over the top franchise yep. through HBO. Well, um, I think you saw that, that, like, it's the little bit of a shift in terms of it was always like, oh, I have a book, I have a book, I'm going to get a movie deal. And right. Then, and then people, I think it's always been a disappointment. I mean, I, I talked about how The Martian's probably the exception, right? always been the disappointment how movies in usually a two hour whatever you just can't do justice to a lot of these these nice you know meaty books and, yeah. and plot right you always end up making a lot of compromises and i think they found like hey like this i would say mini series but this kind of serializing the serial, it yeah there that gives them a lot more room to breathe you can have the care do the character development stuff like that so we've seen with game of thrones and we're seeing with a lot more of these 
things where they're optioning the the books into more yeah. of these smaller TV series. Um, and, Except and we get there. for Terry Brooks, Shannara, don't waste your time <laughs> on that show. Did you make it? How far did you make it? I I I watched two, the two point seven episodes. I think <laughs> I, I watched the I watched the first one because again I had heard so much about Shannara and I never Shannara, had read it. Shannara is amazing, and if if you're gauging a series of books. On that travesty of a it, TV it show, it was the MTV show though. I know, that was kind of the, that was the, a little bit of a red flag. And it was on MTV. Yeah, it yeah, was an MTV, MTV series. MTV picked yeah. up this awesome fantasy series, but then they MTV'd it. I mean, teeny bop the crap out of a an epic <laughs> fantasy yeah. uh, series. It's kind of, uh, yeah, every every character seemed to be a teenage. But yeah. other than that, there's been a lot of wins uh, out there, <laughs> um, and more so i think we should maybe go in chronological order there's a new series coming in february um back in 2010 when i think i kind of met troy and we found out we we devour books and consume content he gave me a reading list of sorts and one was richard k morgan uh, altered carbon I think if you go out there on the internet and find our old old <laughs> show, we did a noise from the basement. Oh, we might uh, yeah. where we talked about altered carbon. So I won't. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. It, it's a fantastic book. The world is a place in which all of your memories and experience and who you are as a person, mm-hmm. your soul, you might call mm-hmm. it, your psyche, whatever, can be um, stored on these cortical stacks, these little implantable things that go right into the the slot on your Mm -hmm. neck, uh, jack right into your brainstem Mm -hmm. and you bodies are referred to as sleeves. So in essence, this guy's put on ice. He's, he's imprisoned and he's given a shot at coming out. Uh, but he has to solve a crime and that's really how it starts. And then the main character goes and solves his crime and you start to find out more about him. Like he used to be an elite military guy and, um, and he's worn several different sleeves yeah lots so netflix picked up altered carbon it's coming in february uh the i can't think of the director the guy who directed the game of thrones episode battle of the bastards where ramsey bolton and Jon snow wage war one of the top five episodes of that show is directing at least the first if not the first couple episodes Um, yeah, and I will link to the the trailer. They have an oh, initial trailer, trailer that came out, teaser yeah. trailer, and this kind of just came out of the blue. Like Ty Olson, like, did you see this thing? I'm like, no. Um, and just, I am totally excited for this. The, um, Altered Carbon is one of the, I think, a very underrated book. Uh, yeah. Just, but amazing. This is going to blow it up. Yeah. I mean, that book's going to be seeing because that book's 15 years old. Uh, yep. I think it like, I was just looking, I think 20, oh, yeah, uh, or at least about 10. It looks like 2006. Okay. Um, okay. Originally published in 2006. So 11, whatever, 11, years. Yeah, 11 years yeah. old. Yep. And, and it's, there is an initial, it's a series of three books. Um, they get, and, uh, they're all, they're all pretty good. And, uh, and I can't remember if I can remember his name, Tashi Kovac. Takeshi Kovac. Yeah. Is the, uh, kind of the main character. It's like character. a Japanese slash yeah. Eastern European, like Croatian yeah. blend. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's and he, he goes through and he talks about his, his heritage and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, again, I think it's interesting in that it's very, again, fantastical in terms of the technology but i think it's very grounded in the technology i think that's what richard morgan does is he really like you believe like he goes through and explains how this all works like mm-hmm. how are you and the ram and and then what's really laced on top of it is what are all the ramifications if 
you basically could outlive your body, right? If you could do that. And, and, and that's what really makes the world and, so exciting. That's, and the concept that punishment is taking you mm-hmm. out of your sleeve, leaving you to experience nothing. Yes. <laughs> just nothing. True. Nothing. nothing. Um, yeah. when you're not in a body that allows you to interact with the world and see things and feel things and you're just suspended. Yep. And then, so. and, and the idea and you'll, and the idea of true death, which is somebody actually destroyed the technology, like the memory core, you're not saved anywhere. Right. They're yeah, able to don't have backups, backup. So right. And again, and again, I think very real, like the idea of, of, of class, right? Mm-hmm. If you're rich and you have money or whatever, you probably are almost, you're ba- and they, I think you have the thing, right? You're basically immortal. You basically end up being immortal because you have enough resources to make sure you're always backed up. No, there also gets into a little thing like, okay, if, if it's me from three weeks ago or a month ago, is it still really me? Right. <laughs> right. Identity itself yeah, yeah, becomes yeah. questionable. Yeah. yeah. So that that's coming early February, February 2nd, 2018. So surprisingly enough, that is less than two months away. Um, then uh, this one I wasn't aware of. So you get to break the news to me, Troy. Um, so one of the, again, a classic in this book is um, uh, a really old, published first in 1990, um, Good Omens, the... Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which, uh, written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett uh, back in 1990. Um, amazing. It's a, a, a comedy. It is a, a very comedy book, but um, it talks about uh, kind of the end of the world, the apocalypse, the coming apocalypse, and maybe the Antichrist is in there a little bit and whatever, but done in a very humorous, entertaining way as kind of only Neil Gaiman and, and Terry Pratchett could do. Um, classic book. If you have not read it, every, it's one of those ones I think like everybody should. Um, basically, Amazon has picked it up and is doing a, a series on it, uh, not coming out until probably 2019. So we have a little bit to wake. They're actually they're filming it now and, and different things think it's going to be there. So um, just totally excited from the material. Again, because Good Omens, you can't say enough about it. And, um and with uh, again, I'm also a Neil Gaiman fanboy, so uh, amazing, amazing things. Unfortunately, we have to wait for quite a while to get there. But in between, then you definitely could pick it up on Audible and listen to it, and uh, and enjoy it, and wait for the wait for the series to come out. Awesome. So we've talked about a lot of books. We'll try to get them up in show notes mm-hmm. as far as uh, where you can consume them. Um, shows links to different trailers things like that so while you're out trying to download those or find those to purchase we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to get through uh our our abbreviated main topic talk about our gaming christmas list for um this year as we come to a close here in the holiday season and then some quick news and updates uh perhaps a five minute player to slay it review and then we'll uh, we'll close it out but we'll be back from a short break here in just a moment Welcome back to the show. We have a special guest in studio with us today. Santa Claus himself has come in from the North Pole. He's a little angry because he's in Wisconsin and he's got a lot of work to do. But uh, he thought he would stop in and chat with us about what is on our Christmas list. 
Uh, he might ask you, Josh, if you've been naughty or nice this year and if you're really fitting of these gifts. But let's give Santa some time and he will, uh, he'll go through our Christmas list and maybe offer some criticism for it. But now, is it Santa Claus? Oh, ho, ho, Josh, <laughs> I'm Santa Claus. Claus. Like with claws? Cla- no, claws. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want for Christmas? You're not starting off on a good foot here. Oh, Jesus, Santa. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what I'd really like is the Warhammer Underworlds dice and sleeves for the different factions. All the factions are uh, just, you know, one or two. Yeah, I mean, all of them, because mm. reasons. Asking mm. a lot. Troy, you want to step up to Santa's lap and tell me what you want for Christmas? Oh, boy. Um, I think so. <laughs> um, so, I have one of the, again, just totally uh, for, I guess, fun is the, because I've been watching way too much Critical Role, is the Critical Role uh, book, the campaign book, and I can't pronounce the name, Tell. Oh, Tell Dore. Tell Dore um, campaign saying, this looks interesting. Matt uh, Matt Mercer wrote up his things, and as you watch it, it's always like, "Oh, it'd be really cool to see like behind the scenes," and and we did that. So, ho ho ho! Tell Dore what else? Your list is longer than these boys. What? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I think I'll skip around a little bit. So I think the other thing I'm going to get is the more of my hobby zone organizers. Uh, I got the paint paint tray and i really i like that so much i'm gonna get like underneath you can get drawers and um and little storage areas to kind of bling out that whole um organized set on my my paint desk oh that yeah yeah that is it's inspiring jealousy i think in josh and i yeah we kind of want to mimic your setup need a bigger hobby space oh Tyson, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> well, Santa, that was, that was certainly abrasive. I'd like to apologize to our listeners first. Um, uh, so I have some big ticket items this year. The first mm-hmm. is Fantasy Flight's new Fallout, the board game. Um, I saw it on a demo table at uh, PAX. I didn't get to play it, but it was nice to see it in person as opposed to behind the glass, like at um, or mm-hmm. the prototype at yep. Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely... Love the Fallout world. The game looks fun. I'm hearing. I'm hearing it, it is fun to play, and it's replayable. It's not like you play through it once. There's there's an element of that. So, Fallout the board game will probably be something I buy with you know gift cards or something after the fact. But yep, looking forward to that. We should probably just kick Santa out of the studio and finish our Christmas <laughs> list without him. He is he's pretty loud. He's a lot to handle, and he takes up two chairs. So, yeah. um, Josh, what else is on your Christmas list? <laughs> yeah, it, it, we touched on it, but yeah, I, I've been jealous of Troy's paint organizer. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely like a paint organizer. And kind of going with that is the Citadel's accessory kit. So it's the the hobby handle. The paint pot and the hobby mat from Citadel, yeah. uh, from GW. The, uh, the mat looks pretty mm. durable, too. It like totally, it. yeah. Like, I have one of those thin mats that, you know, is supposed to be, like, um, self-healing mm. or whatever. You know, it, it's nice. It's got the grid on it and stuff. But I I don't know. The 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 hobby mat kind of has, like, a lip around it. So, like, if you spill paint, it's not going to mm. drip off and stuff. So, I, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. 
Um, and the accessory kit goes for like 40 bucks or something. So, uh, for all three of those things for 40 bucks is pretty decent. Cool. Yeah. My mat is always full of glue. And even though, <laughs> even though I have a paint organizer, I still can't find any paint, but <laughs> maybe that's cause I'm colorblind. That could be part yeah, of the that, problem, but, and you're making fun of yourself. So <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> um, Troy, uh, I see a big ticket item here on your Christmas list. I'm I'm a little concerned. Which and, uh, my big one? Um, your big ticket big one? item. Um, yeah, Santa's not. Santa told me. He said, "Tell Troy I cut off around a hundred dollars. Probably gonna have to renegotiate this Christmas deal." So it my real real. If this is a really wish list, and and I hope I can make it because in the end it was, it was a tough list because what happens is. Anything I want, I just go buy anyway. So it's like people are like asking, like, "What do you want?" I'm like, "Oh, no, I guess first, I already bought first my stuff." Problems. Yeah, I, I, I already <laughs> bought what all the stuff miniatures I want. Um, but what I really love to do in 2018 is figure out how to get a trip to Warhammer World. Like, um, just get out there for some time. So I've already been like, "Oh, I need to make sure my passport's renewed and whatever." And ideally, it'd be really cool to like, you know, whether it's a weekend or something else. Um, I don't know if I would do like the, the, um, geek nation tours, like two weeks thing like that. That's a little bit too much time to like try and get away from family and all the other responsibilities, but even just get out for whatever, four to five days on a long weekend or something. I'd like to do a week and I'd like to do two days in Ireland. I'd like to do a few days in England proper touring around and then a day or two at, in Nottingham at Warhammer world. A UK yep. tour. Yep. And that would be a good, yeah, a good space. Because, again, it's just harder to pull off, like, multiple weeks to, to get out there. But I'm really, I'm like, I, I'm going to try and make something happen soon. Um, it just feels like Tom, a good. Tom and I have tossed around the idea of doing either South Coast GT in April, not April mm-hmm. 18, but April 19, or in fall of 18, uh, the Facehammer hmm. GT at Element Games, um, just as a, a way to get there for a two-dayer yep. um, and, and hang out and see how, how they yep. do it in, in England. <laughs> it would be really fun. Really cool. So, Yep, that's the big one on my <clears throat> list. Excellent. Um, let's see. So I have a problem acquiring games. I like to buy a lot of games. I've been trying not mm-hmm. to buy games on a whim. But one that I'm very tempted and is probably on my wish list for Christmas is the new Necromunda. Um, I've been close a couple times. I had in my hands the other day. I almost bought it. <laughs> um, Eric uh, said, oh, I'll, I'll play that. If you buy that, I'll play And that's all I really need is one other person to commit to you know, playing or potentially splitting that box. Um, so Necromunda, definitely. 125 bucks. It's been a little hard to say, okay, I'll do it for it to sit on my shelf. Like the Horus Heresy games, like Warhammer quest, like uh, Assassin Orum, like all this other stuff. (laughs) So I've been, uh, I've been buying some kind of garbage hobby brushes, like hobby paint brushes. Um, you've been buying the stuff that's like a dollar to paint like clay pots, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, and then like, I'll end up cutting them to try to make them into better brushes. And yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm just cheap. I'm cheap. And (laughs) so I've been trying to make crap brushes into good brushes and I'm making a meme. It's going to be Josh's, his gaming table and like price point. 
and then like his army collection <laughs> price point and then <laughs> brushes to paint <laughs> to, to be fair i've been i've been doing pretty good with what i've got but um i i need to buy some decent hobby brushes so i occasionally i'll buy you know a decent brush or two or like a set um and then you know they'll go to crap after a while you know i just i won't buy the really good stuff that stays good for a while you know it's all so, about cleaning them. It, yeah, it is about and, cleaning them. And, and, and I'm bad about that. Pink, yeah, I'm, pink yeah, soap, terry cloth towel. I'm super bad about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I need to buy some decent hobby brushes. And then, like that Citadel's accessory kit, the the um, the water pot. Like, you, you can keep the, the tips in the water. And they won't, like, you don't have to drop them all the way down. They, like, hold the brushes up. Do you, do you suggest always keeping your tip in the water? I mean, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, it, next and then, question. <laughs> and then you dry, you dry them off eventually. So, um, and so I, I just need to buy a decent set of hobby brushes and and keep yeah. them clean and 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 good. So Windsor Newton, I used those for a long time. But the Citadel brushes are really good. Like I yeah. would say, yeah. just go and yeah, the, you get a lot of mileage out of the Citadel ones. Too, I, that's I, it. And yeah. they're not. Then they're actually. I don't think. I don't think they're. I think they're, they're half the price of yeah. what the Winsor Newton kind of stuff. Right. Is, so. so yeah, I've been using just kind of cheapo brushes from whatever craft shop, you know. So, um, and making do so far, and it, it's been fine. But I need to actually spend some money on. Yeah, your stuff looks pretty good. You're so. uh, you're out kicking your coverage on your painting. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, Troy, what else? Uh, so I do have one board game on here, um, and this is one that's kind of been on like, oh yeah, it'd be interesting to pick it up. It's called uh, Space Alert, um, and it is uh, kind of a cooperative. What got me in this is I was looking at the whatever, what's the Martian one, um, and terraforming terra- Mars, not terraforming Mars, the uh, the first Martian. Oh, Ignacy, Ignacy Trevichek's yeah, Portal and Games, the, and first Martian. The uh, Shut Up and Sit Down guys, which you haven't watched, if you haven't watched that, the amazing reviews, hilarious entertainment, even <laughs> if you don't like play games, um, they're really good. But um, they really, and instead of First Martian, they're like, ah, this game has some problems. Um, they're like, you really should go back and play Space Alert because it's, it's really fun. And it does have a really good, it's like a 7.5 on Board Game Geek. Um, and it's kind of, again, that cooperative uh, trying to stay alive as a, as a team against the game or something like that. So I'm interested in this, in that game. I'll probably try and pick it up at some point when I, when I find it. So uh, Space Alert is my kind of one, the game I actually have, a board game I have on my list because I haven't really bought it yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I have another, I think my third board game. You guys really got creative. I just stayed to... My games. staple, more games to take up space that I don't have room for because I need to get some of those Kickstarter <laughs> options, you need shelving some options. Yeah, um, is the Expanse? It was sold out too quickly at Gen Con. Um, I wasn't able to pick it up there. Uh, didn't really have a chance at PAX to do much shopping, um, and I, I just haven't mm-hmm. seen it on the shelf anywhere. It's on my so, shelf. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Jeff Engelstein's uh, board game set in James S.A. Corey's Expanse universe, um, area control. Um, interesting take on it. The art when I saw it was like images from the show. Yeah, I think I they kind of went a little 
turned off, but I, I think what I'm hearing is the gameplay more than makes up for um, for that that piece yeah, of it, and the aesthetic. Again, it's it's a wi- it's whiz kids who are still trying to get their feet underneath them. I think from a, a component quality yeah. perspective, right? But uh, Zev, the yeah. the guy from Z Man that's running their board games group, we've talked about it before. Yeah. I mean, knocking it out of the yeah. park. So yeah, and Jeff um, Engelstein, great designer. Yeah, and again, I can see of a licensed property there's my right you got to figure out how you're gonna because i don't think it's that expensive i think the price point is pretty decent in the game so again there's always trade-offs and and what they could do in terms of art and and component stuff so i'm i'm excited to get i have not got it to the table either i just kind of opened it and read the rules a little bit and played so i think we will definitely get to the table and probably review it in the future yeah that's that's the plan um and again based on the expand series that we talked about in the beauty library segment Absolutely. Any other last uh, requests for Santa before we kick him out of the house? We took him off the microphone to spare everyone, but he's <laughs> still hanging out in the green room. So we got to send him back to the North Pole so he can get ready for the holidays. Yeah, I think the only thing like holidays what I'll get is uh, is I also I wish I could just have time. Like if yeah. I could have more more time to paint, to play, to whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, we didn't have work and these other crazy things we had to do. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. But holidays does give us a little bit more break. So, Speaking of breaks, I'm going to take Santa outside, show him back to his sleigh. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to have a Play It or Slay it review where we talk about the Citadel painting handle. smudge your models by holding on to them as you paint do you end up with too much paint on your hands or maybe your hand cramps after only a few minutes of intense hobby action well games workshop has brought a product out onto the market that alleviates all of those problems it is the citadel painting handle and i've seen the uh you know overlord duncan use it himself um, but in essence it's a little plastic handle that fits in the palm of your hand uh, with an extendable grip to put uh, miniature bases in and to, to hold while you paint your models. A lot of people use old um, paint uh, canisters or medicine bottles or pieces of cork. Um, however, none of those really fit the palm of your hand quite well enough. So this really is designed to give you something you know big enough to hold on to. Uh, where your hand doesn't really cramp and you you don't feel like you're you know holding a little miniature still yeah um so thought for play it or slay it i would pitch this to you guys and, and see what you think um i myself have already purchased that's why i know so much about the product because i've used it and i bought it um it's eight dollars uh, right now on Games Workshop's website, it is out of stock, but all of their hobby centers, all the Games Workshop shops, had a bunch of them and may still. And with the holidays right around the corner, I guarantee it'll be back in stock um, shortly. Josh kind of talked about in his Christmas list, they're offering a bundle deal with that and a hobby mat and a, a water cup. <clears throat> um, but it's a it's a very simple design, uh, but I, I want to... I think getting multiple copies, not copies, multiple, <laughs> you know, uh, boxes of them is a good idea. <laughs> so when you're batch painting, you can just put five models out yeah. in them and then switch between them uh, easily. Um, the price point at $8, you know, that's <laughs> 
for the, I think the hours of time I probably spend painting. Um, it didn't seem like too high of a yeah. price point. Um, I'm sure there's similar products out on the market. I, I haven't done my market research analysis to know, uh, but sure, drink a bottle of wine, take the cork, put a paperclip yeah. <laughs> in it, you've got a solution. But yet again, it's, like it's not something that really yeah. fits well in your hand. Um, this does that. It fits well. Uh, the only knock that I have against right now is the limitation in base size. So Games Workshop models, 25 millimeter, 32 millimeter, 40 millimeter bases um, fit in it. Anything larger than that doesn't fit. Uh, so yeah, you could turn cavalry bases sideways and probably get those uh, that way. But some of the larger circular bases just don't fit. Um, however, I think I'm designing a way in which I can two-tier my basing yeah, so I <laughs> uh, to stack smaller bases and then blue tack a larger base on top and fit the smaller base in to get over the height. And then I could, I could have, you know, larger models on the handle to paint. So a little, little bit of MacGyver, um, <laughs> and you too can paint all of your miniatures in a comfortable and relaxing manner. So Josh, how do you usually paint? What's your grip? How do you? Yeah. So I've seen a lot of folks do, um, you know, bases on top of old paint pots or corks or whatever. And I, I've never done that. Like I've always held the base, you know, just, I, I've tried to hold them as minimal as I can in my fingers. And I always end up like with tons of paint on my, on my thumb and my index finger. And I, I, I think this is a great way to to hold the base a little bit more steady and also not get a whole bunch of paint on your fingers. Right. So I, I, I know you usually like scrape a little bit of paint off with your thumb and stuff, but, um, I, I think for control, I, this is a great solution and I'm really excited to use it. And that's why, um, I'm also excited to get the, the accessories kit from Citadel for GW. Um, uh, because it includes that, but they're out of stock right now. So I might just get the, the paint handle because <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to, to play with that and, and to use it. So, um, I, I've been looking actually for a solution to hold my models while I'm painting. Um, I, I'm getting a little bit older. Uh, I have a little bit of, uh, especially my, my right hand. Uh, my index finger is uh, got a little bit of uh, I don't know what, what do you call it arthritis arthritis yeah uh, and uh, I don't know like it, it's from clicking a mouse I guess because I, I work on computers all day but uh, <laughs> I, I know it sounds really stupid but uh, like my my index finger is like really sore sometimes. Um, but the funny part is he's serious. That's what's I, funny. I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> so uh, we know a doctor. Yeah, we could get Dr. that. Dr. Gabe, at. can we'll you get help that me looked out? at Adepticon? <laughs> Dr. Gabe, I need a consult at the uh, Anvilate booth <laughs> Thursday at noon for that's Joshua. But so I, I'm honestly dead serious. So like having some sort of handle to hold on to models, I think it would be yeah. super helpful for me. So, and Troy, what? Uh, how long? Do you paint minis before you start to kind of get that fatigue and you put it down? And do you do long hobby sessions? Do you ever experience uh, painting fatigue? 
Um, yeah, but it's usually not my hand or my uh-huh. little index finger. It's my back, neck. So you need a heavy uh, brace. I need a heavy brace. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I've been. And I don't want to go on a topic. I've been trying to actually think about creating a standing hobby space because mm-hmm. um, it's just because you do get in and you're basically again the same thing like working on a computer at, at work i work on a computer standing i can go up and down like that and it's because you'll be hobbying for whatever three four hours at a time and you're like oh my god i've been sitting in this not a great chair i mean i have a decent chair but not great chair so that so so yeah anything to ergonomically help better right it's because you, you are in these in long stretches to do this kind of stuff so and i'm a i'm a paint pot and blue tack guy right now. So I, and I have a lot, all my old, I don't know, call it like th- two generations ago, paint pots, which were the kind of the bigger ones, whatever are kind of what I used, but I'm really interested in this. Cause again, it's been people that all use it. have been just like, Hey, this is like the really next big thing. Like, next big thing it's going to, yeah. and I think there, there are some things I saw some people were doing like some MDF, uh, kind of handle. I think that was some of the start and some of the ideas where people like, hey, maybe there's a better solution here mm-hmm. to some of this. And so it was amazing that Citadel, you think about again for 30 years, right? For them to kind of like, hey, maybe this would be really something cool. And I, my guess is it's, it's exploded even more than they thought it yeah. was going to be, right? Because a lot of times they're like, hey, we'll put out some hop, some of these cool <laughs> hobby things. And some of them take off like paint pots and things like that. They, some people will get them, but in the end, everybody's like, well, I'll just use a thing. But this seems like something everybody's like, you're seeing it everywhere. A lot of, you know, all the, I must say professional painters, a lot of the people who stream and do a lot of painting, you're seeing them using like, hey, this is a, a big thing. So I don't know if I'll pick up five, <laughs> but I, I, I think yeah, <laughs> I'll probably pick up at least one just to try it out. And my guess is I'll use it for um for you know for whatever the what i'm doing whatever the main painting is and i I think you're like said there's the the base size stuff is is a little bit limitation but there's a lot of things you can do to just you know you take your bigger model and you put it on a smaller base for to to start with because again a lot of times i'm painting separately the model nowadays i paint using the model separate from the base anyway um i'll put it on a temporary base and then work the base separate and then put them together at the end so yeah, having it on a not a, yeah. a large base yeah. is not a, a kind of a showstopper at this I, point. I, I was actually looking into like some utility hobby clips to do essentially what these things are doing. Um, just recently, like like in the last three months, um, and I couldn't find anything that would work right. And so when these when Ty, Ty kind of showed me these and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I was looking for." So, I'm really excited about them. So, I don't think we need to go around the table and ask the question. <laughs> I think this is a unanimous uh play it or slay it in which we say play it. Yeah, play it. absolutely. Yeah, play it. At least Eight dollars. One, yeah. Don't for, for eight I don't, bucks, I don't, I don't yeah. know about five. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can get behind five, but I can understand why you might want five. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one, one or two for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I could. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely I mean, gonna buy one or two. It's like Pokemon. Collect them all. Collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. GW. We want different colors, and we want like. Oh, there you go. Chapter insignias yeah, on them, or maybe like bigger angel, sizes for. On a Blood Angel paint handle, a Death Guard paint mm-hmm. handle. Ah, nice. Yeah, that would be awesome. They're coming. They're probably Legion. already in the pipe. Yeah, Wait till it gets restocked. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to play it. Citadel paint handle. little hobby product to make your life better because cork and old paint bottles just aren't the good life. So get on that. Um, just a few news uh, and announcements uh, where we're going to be in the coming months of winter. 
um, because winter is coming and here in the, the <laughs> north above the wall of the Illinois Wisconsin border <laughs> um, <laughs> the East Coast according to J- game, Games Workshop yes Wapaka taking place in northern well, central Wisconsin <laughs> is now the East Coast uh, accessible Grand Clash um, Warhammer Underworlds competition <laughs> so I will not be at Wapaka uh, I will be at two different conventions in January um, I'm going uh, to the Midwinter Gaming Convention. I just got my badge before they um, they went up in price, so I bought my my weekend badge. That takes takes place downtown Milwaukee. Um, <clears throat> I believe it is January 18th through the 21st ish in there. It's that weekend. Uh, it's at the Hilton downtown Milwaukee. Um, I'm also then the following week or so after going to go out to Las Vegas and experience the Las Vegas Open, hang out with uh, the guys from Anvilate again at a, a new show for them, a new show for me, um, see what, what that is all about. Uh, so that's January. Then I get February to rest and recover before Adepticon in March, which we've talked about at length. March 22nd to the 25th, uh, Schaumburg, Illinois, at the Renaissance Hotel and Convention Center. Come and find the guys from the Basement of Death and the hosts of Plain and Slaying. We will be on location for the whole weekend, gaming hard and uh, drinking a fair amount at surrounding watering holes. And then April uh, 28th and 29th, two-day Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament in Milwaukee, uh, down at... um, the Crown Plaza by the airport, the Brew City Brawl, uh, Age of Sigmar tournament, um, Facebook page, or find uh, at Hobby Bear, at Hobby underscore Bear on Twitter. That's Brendan, the, the tournament organizer. Through the Facebook group, you can get the information to sign up. I think around 20-ish players signed up now. We can uh, we can fit 36 to 40 in the, in the room. So looking to be a good first-year event. And... Any other cons or places we're going, or did I just run through? Uh, that, I think that gets us through April. Awesome. We'll see. And then it's on the con season, so um, we'll we'll be there with you uh, to guide you through the hobby wilderness. A um, few quick things. Uh, find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter at Plan Slan, um, Show, website basementofdeath.com, email any of us at basementofdeath or info at basementofdeath. Um and also, please, it's really important to us that we get feedback from you, especially through iTunes. Uh, please review the show. Um, we look forward to, to seeing comments. Uh, that really you know, helps us get, get people out there seeing what we're doing. Um, so the more of you that can go on iTunes and give us a, a review or provide us with some constructive feedback, what you want to hear us talk about would be awesome. Um, so once again, thanks, everyone. Happy holidays from us here in the basement of death. And uh, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, let's keep playing and slaying.
So, quick question for you guys. If you're going to raid the North Pole for all of Santa's, like, toys, you can take a party of four, like, characters. They can be movie characters, or they can be, like, you know, level 10 D&D classes, or they can be comic book heroes. You can bring four to attack the North Pole mm. and raid Santa's workshop. That's some serious shit. I mean, you know he's got the Christmas magic going. And a bunch of elves, hordes of elves. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus is probably a decent guard. Like mm-hmm. She's probably a guardian of the home. So four people, who are you bringing? The Rock. Batman. <laughs> the, uh, the Snow G.I. Joe guy. And you. Me? Yep. Hot damn. Troy? Um... I think I think I'm gonna do Josh Spring the Rock. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing yeah, fucking yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Time and space manipulation. Yeah. That's I, good. I think I'm gonna use him to counteract offsets. Christmas magic. Magic. I, yeah. That's my only chance. I think. Um, then I need some uh, maybe like the Hulk or somebody. He's a little. He's a wild card, but I think yeah. he can battle. He can deal with the elves. Okay. Um, and then maybe we bring, I'll just bring superheroes. I think I'll bring Tony Stark, um, with his Iron Man suit. Yeah. Cause just... he can, he can bring something. We can haul a lot of stuff out. Okay. He can, worst case, he can make the with sled him work. him and the Hulk. Yeah. He can make the sled work. And then, um, I don't know who else we get to bring. We need a fourth person. Are you staying Marvel? Well, you can you come going? too. And then we'll bring Ty again. <laughs> Ty again. He's the nice. fourth man nice. in, in the, in the party either way. All right. All right. Excellent. It sounds like Santa's going down. Uh, the Snow G.I. Joe guy was named Snow Job. Snow Job. <laughs> you, know, you know the guy, like, he's got the... You're making that he, up. No, no, no. So, look. <laughs> I swear to God. See, look. He's got the, the red beard. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's yeah. the guy I was thinking about. That's, that's, I couldn't think of his name. It's Snow Job. Snow I mean, job. I don't know how I forgot that. Oh, boy. 